Take your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Leviticus, the book of Leviticus and chapter 17, Leviticus chapter 17. As we mentioned last Sunday, Leviticus chapter 16 is at the center of this book, and because Leviticus is at the center of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, written by Moses. This is, or was, I should say, last week, the center of the Torah. And we have there for us the Day of Atonement, this most holy of all days in the Israelite calendar, where the high priest, once a year, enters into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place to make a sacrifice of atonement for himself and for the nation of Israel. Leading up to chapter 16 has been an introduction to the sacrifices and to the priesthood and to the cleanliness idea required to be in the presence of God. Now from chapter 17 and moving forward to the end of the book, we see some of the Holiness codes, as they are known in uh, Scripture, in the book of Leviticus. Living life in light of the presence of a thrice holy God, that his presence is with the people in the middle of the encampment. What does that look like? And so as we begin to unpack this holiness code for the rest of our time in the book of Leviticus, in Leviticus chapter 17, verses 1 through 9, there is a caution, a warning, a command against do-it-yourself spirituality. Now, do-it-yourself is pretty popular these days. In some ways, it's been popular for quite some time, but it's now known as DIY, do-it-yourself, because the words do-it-yourself are already too long, and so we have to pare them down even further, and so DIY we have DIY channels on YouTube and DIY websites and businesses given over to do-it-yourself in all areas, the areas of crafting and home improvement and renovations and so on and so forth. And there's many reasons why people feel compelled to do it themselves, but in the realm of spirituality, we also have this. We are tempted by times to leave off gathering together in community for what seems to be an easier path, a path that seems to be preferable, just me and Jesus, and we're going to take on the world. Many reasons for this. Of course, there is our innate individualistic uh, attitude. We think that we are awesome. Uh, we think that we are smart and and attuned and certainly smarter than most people that we know and we're better looking and we've got it all together and so there's that innate sinfulness of our uh, individualistic uh, realities. There's a thought that we can do it better, we know better. If it's done our way, it's done better. There is the reality of the pandemic and it got easy. It was easy to roll out of bed on a Sunday morning in our pajamas and sort of watch church online. 
And we have noted across Canada and talking to some of my fellow pastors that there are still individuals that are doing this, that have not returned. It's just easier. I can get my church in on my own without having to actually be the church. For some, there's church hurt. Some of our deepest wounds, as we sit here this morning, have come at the hands of fellow Christians. And that's hard. And it can lead us to withdraw, perhaps not physically, perhaps relationally and emotionally. Where we're here, but we're not here. We're present, but we're not all in. We have slowly and subtly, and in some cases we think imperceptibly, removed ourselves relationally and emotionally from community, and we are doing it ourselves. God is concerned as he begins to come out of the indicative of his grace and the reality of his atonement to these many imperatives that we are going to see, that his nation does not attempt to live life in his presence alone. We were not made to go it alone. God is community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The first mention of something not being good in all of Holy Scripture is that the man was alone. We were designed by our benevolent creator for community. And despite the myriad reasons why we would back away from community, God continues to push us towards community because it is what is best for us. It is what causes us to thrive. We need each other, even and especially in our worship of him. And so let's read the first nine verses. I will read them as you follow along, if you would. Leviticus chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the people of Israel and say to them, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. If any one of the house of Israel kills an ox or a lamb or a goat in the camp or kills it outside the camp and does not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting to offer it as a gift to the Lord in front of the tabernacle of the Lord, blood guilt shall be imputed to that man. He has shed blood and that man shall be cut off from among his people. This is to the end that the people of Israel may bring their sacrifices that they sacrifice in the open field, that they may bring them to the Lord. To the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting and sacrifice them as sacrifices of peace offerings to the Lord. And the priest shall throw the blood on the altar of the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting and burn the fat for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So they shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices to goat demons after whom they whore. This shall be a statute forever for them throughout their generations. And you shall say to them, any one of the house of Israel... Or of the strangers who sojourn among them, who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice, and does not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting to offer it to the Lord, this man shall be cut off from his people. This is the word of God. 
Now there is a difference, clearly, between the style of worship or the reality of worship practiced by the ancient Israelites and us today. For them, place was extraordinarily important. There was a physicality to their worship. They came to the tabernacle, or in this case, the tabernacle came to them. It was in the center of the encampment. But as they go into the land of Israel, the tabernacle is in Shiloh, and then David brings the Ark of the Covenant to the temple, or to at least the tabernacle. Solomon, his son, will build the temple. And so worship is centralized, but the people are scattered away from centralized worship, but it is still there. Place is very important, so much so that when Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well in Samaria, she mentions that Jews and Samaritans have a difference of opinion about where to worship, to which Jesus answers, it is not about the where, but it is about the why and the how. And so what though is the same, or what is the similarity that bridges the gap, so to speak, between ancient Israel, Israeli worship, Jewish worship of this time, and our worship today. And I think that is the element of community. That is the title of the sermon before us this morning. The prohibition here is, do not do this all on your own. You are not a free agent. There was no such thing as a lone ranger Jew, a rogue Israelites, as there should not be free agents, lone rangers, and rogue Christians. Those things do not exist or should not exist. They certainly do not exist in the New Testament as they did not exist in the Old. And so in verses 1 through 4, we find the community is the proper place for worship. We do want to be careful as we walk through this that we do not confine worship to what we are doing right now. This is worship. It's not less than this, but it is more than this because we take God with us wherever we go if we are in Christ. His Holy Spirit is in us, and so everything that we do say and think ought to be worship. But there is a reality of community that helps our worship, that that gives boundaries and structure to our worship in a way that is God-ordained and healthy and helpful. And so community is the proper place for worship. Even as we are apart from one another, other than this time together on Sundays, this time together on Sundays ought to uh, impact our worship. And so notice in the first place, the community provides accountability. If anyone from the house of Israel kills an animal, and the word kill there is a Hebrew word that most normally means sacrifice. If any Israelite sacrifices an animal to the Lord and does not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting to offer it as a gift to the Lord, they are to be cut off from their people. There is an accountability here. There is not an Israelite who is just sort of out back behind his tent sacrificing an animal to the Lord. They're not, as we will see in verse 5, out in the open field, just sort of randomly sacrificing to the Lord. There is structure to their worship, bound to community that provides accountability. Is the sacrifice done correctly? The right kind of sacrifice, sacrificed in the right way. There's not a lot of guarantees in life. 
but this one is. If you divorce yourself from the church of Jesus Christ, you will be heretical. That is a guarantee. You cannot divorce yourself from the church of Jesus Christ and remain all that God has called you to be in Christ. You will drift. Elements of your own thoughts, your own preferences, your own ideas will creep in. And you will not be where you need to be apart from the body. We need each other. We've always needed each other. We certainly need each other in today's climate and culture. A lot of ideas out there. A lot of isms and ideologies, pressures, philosophies. We need each other so that we do not drift to help keep us accountable. Are we worshiping God or are we just simply attending a church service? Are we evidencing the fruit of the Spirit? And how do you know you're evidencing the fruit of the Spirit if you are isolated from others who can check you up on that? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. How do you love in isolation? How do you serve in isolation? How can you be gentle in isolation? Are we where we need to be? The community helps us with that. As it did for ancient Israel, so it does for us. In our family devotions, we're reading through the book of Titus. And Paul tells Titus, Teach and preach and behave according to sound doctrine. How do we know what that is? We know what that is in community. So when there are errant views, errant thoughts, errant ideas, they are checked by the Word of God in community. Does this line up with Scripture? I had this thought the other day. Let's check it by Scripture. I heard this preacher online the other day. Let's check it by Scripture. We do that in community. It is necessary. It is vital. Notice, secondly, community promotes generosity. This individual is to offer this sacrifice as a gift. And we are not told in verse 4 what this offering is, but in verse 5 it is named a peace offering to the Lord. What is the peace offering? Well, hopefully you know, you remember from when we went through this. But I'll remind us all, it is the fellowship offering. It is the offering where some goes to the priest and the rest goes to the people. And in fact, it must be eaten either on the same day or by the next day, but it cannot remain until the third day. This is to promote a community, a sense of the covenant people that all share in this, or many different people share in this. What is our tendency? What do we drift towards? We drift towards those who agree with us. We drift towards those who think like us. We drift towards those who see life as we do. Those people then become our friend circle. Those people then become the ones we almost exclusively hang out with, left to ourselves, we gather around ourselves those that think and respond and have the same worldview as us, and we do not promote gospel community. Look around you. Go ahead. Take a look. 
we're a pretty weird bunch here this morning. And I'm the weirdest of us all. We're a strange lot. And that's beautiful. Because what brings us here this morning is not our love of quilting, is not our affection for a particular sports team, is not our enthusiasm for a particular vehicle. What brings us together here this morning is a person, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's why we're here. With all of our differences, with all of the different ways we see things and the different personalities and the different perspectives. And true community is marked by that. True community is marked by generosity. To share, not just with those who you like, and not just with those who you think deserve it. And definitely not just with those who can be generous back. No, true community, gospel community, is a generous community. And this is the community of the Israelites, or what the community of the Israelites was intended to be, and what God is building in us to be. And notice, in the last place, community protects worship in verse 4. If this individual kills an animal outside of the protection of, of the priest and the covenant community making sure that it was done correctly. Blood guilt, and the word here in Hebrew is the same as killing a human. Blood guilt should be imputed to that man. He has shed blood and that man should be cut off from among his people. There is protection here in the community to protect worship of the one true God, to protect life and the things that God values. We love going it alone. We love DIY. It's done the way we want it, in the time we want it to be done in, and if it doesn't turn out the way we wanted it to, then we're the only one to blame. We have an individualistic view of life, and we certainly have an individualistic view of spirituality if we are not checked by the Word of God. And there is great protection then in the community. That our worship is correct. That our attitudes and actions and words match up with truth. That we are not drifting away from what is true. That we are not treating the things of God lightly. That we are not beginning to disrespect God and his word and his ways. We need each other. And so community is the proper place for worship. Secondly, community preserves purity in worship, verses 5 through 7. Those verses 5 and 6, community prioritizes God. It would be easier to pick an animal from the flock, do a sort of token sacrifice to God, because you kind of have to, similar to a prayer before you eat, and then do your own thing. But notice the reminder in verses 5 and 6. This is to the end that the people of Israel may bring the sacrifice they sacrifice in the open field. Bring them to the Lord. To be sacrificed to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting. That they're brought to the priest or to be sacrificed to the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. At this fellowship peace offering, sacrifice to God and the priest shall throw the blood on the altar. Which must be done. Death has occurred. 
so that life can be preserved. Therefore, life, the symbol of life, blood, must be scattered. And notice that the fat will be burned for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. You recall a number of sermons ago that the Israelites were not to consume fat. That the fat of the animal was God's. There's a priority to that needs to take place. And that priority is, is to be directed towards a person, God. What do we prioritize? Well, we prioritize ourselves. God typically gets the leftovers if he gets any of us at all. And community helps prevent that. Community keeps us accountable and honest. Are we prioritizing God in our lives? Does it show? Does it show with how we spend our money? Does it show with how we spend our time? Does it show with how we relate to others? Are we prioritizing God and what God says is important in our lives? The nation of Israel was going to be tempted to drift away from that to a do-it-yourself, lone ranger style of spirituality. And God says right at the beginning, no. Come to the tent of meeting. The worshiper sacrifices the sacrifice publicly. The priest catches the blood. Make sure that all the blood is drained. The priest sprinkles the blood on the altar. The priest burns the fat. The priest gets his portion. God is prioritized. Without community, it is more of a struggle to continue to prioritize God in our lives. There's a lot of demands on our time. There's a lot of things that are calling for our attention. And if we're not careful, and if we divorce ourselves from community, if we isolate ourselves from others, we begin to drift away from prioritizing God and towards prioritizing ourselves. Which leads to the second reality under community preserving purity and worship. It prevents drift. So they shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices to goat demons. We're all kinds of gods in the pantheon of gods at this time. And for as much as it's difficult for us to imagine that anybody in the right mind would sacrifice anything or worship anything resembling an animal, this is the reality at the time period that the Israelites live, and we are no better because we sacrifice at the altar of all kinds of stupid things. We sacrifice at the altar of stuff. We sacrifice at the altar of any number of realities. It may not have the form of a goat or a calf, but it is an idol nonetheless. There's a tangibility to idolatry that we crave. We want to see it. God calls us to the life of trust in that which we cannot see. What is the area that we drift? We drift towards idolatry. We drift towards worshiping something else. I know that God has said that in Christ all my sins are forgiven, but it feels better when I do something. When I know that I'm singing the right songs and reading the right version of the Bible and doing things the right way and dressing the right way and listening to the right stuff and not watching the wrong stuff, when I've got all these rules that I've constructed, they make me feel better. I'm more comfortable in the religion I have constructed than in the grace that God has provided through Jesus Christ. 
And God the Father says to his people here and through them to us, and that is the drift of our hearts. We crave the tangible when God is giving us the intangible. We crave the finite when God offers to us the infinite. We crave the unreal, although it seems real, when God is offering to us the real. What does the nation of Israel do as Moses is up on the mount receiving the Ten Commandments? Sometimes we get this wrong. We think the golden calf is a substitute God. No. What do they say? This is an image of the God that brought you up out of Egypt. There's an attempt to worship an intangible God in a tangible way. There's an attempt to depict who God is. God cannot be depicted. God is wholly other. And our hearts yearn for the tangible, the physical, the stuff that we can see and experience. And God gently and graciously, through community, continues to draw us away from that back to Him. And thirdly, community perpetuates true worship. This shall be a statute forever for them throughout their generations. The nation of Israel was constantly being tempted to be drawn after other gods. The language here in the end of verse 6 has the idea of infidelity in the marriage relationship. James says that in James 4. You adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? We're not any different than the nation of Israel. We're very much the same. And God gives this to them and through them to us, the reality that we need each other to perpetuate true worship. Without community, and not just this community, drive around our island and you will notice far too many empty church buildings where people just like us gather just like we are to worship God just like we do. But disconnected from sound doctrine, disconnected from each other and disconnected from the broader Orthodox family of Christ. They drifted, and now they've disappeared. We need each other, and not just Grace Baptist Church. We need all true believers in Christ. When we become insular, we're already on the path away from what God has called us to. That's why we promote other ministries, other churches, in our fellowship and even beyond. Anywhere where the gospel is believed and preached, we have a brother and a sister in Christ. Lastly then, verses 8 and 9. Community, the proper environment for worship. It seems at first glance that verse 8 and 9 are the same as verses 1 through 4, but there are two notable differences. The first is that in verse 8, strangers who sojourn among the Israelites are mentioned. And so again we are shown that community celebrates unity in diversity. They have with them not just native Israelites, they have others from different nations. 
for a variety of reasons. These individuals used to worship other gods and used to worship them in different ways. And together, they are now worshiping the one true God. And so community expresses diversity, true diversity, not the fake, shallow diversity promoted by our culture, but actual diversity. And yet it also promotes unity, that we follow Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is what unites us. But notice there's also a difference in sacrifice. In verse 5, it's the peace of the fellowship offering. In verse 8, it's the burnt offering. And I believe here there is a sense that community confirms our conversion. The burnt offering was offered at the entrance of the tent of meeting on the bronze altar by the priest publicly for all to see. And the entire sacrifice was burned up. Symbolizing, as was mentioned before, atonement as each of these blood offerings did, but also full commitment to the Lord. Do we want to know, have assurance that we actually are followers of Jesus Christ? Hang out with, be friends, be in community with other followers of Jesus Christ. What we're about to do in just a few moments is to observe communion, the Lord's Supper. The elements that portray for us the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we do that in communion. We read the church covenant together. Part of which talks about holding each other accountable. Do other people see Jesus in you? That's a beautiful thing that we ought to not only be open to, we ought to invite. And so, in closing, community protects the worshiper and the one being worshipped. Both verse 9 and all of these nine verses. Back to our DIY reality. I'm sure you know this. But I think it bears saying out loud, DIY actually doesn't exist. Nobody does it all by themselves. Because the fact that you're here means that other people were involved. Typically you go to a DIY website or video to see how to DIY, which is kind of ironic. You have the wisdom of those that have gone on before, that have done it before you. We don't actually DIY. The reality is we don't do that in life either. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're attempting to DIY life. How's that going for you? Part of the sacrifices in this whole reality in Leviticus is to show us just how much we are in need of God. We need the one who made us. And so if you were here this morning and you're attempting to do life on your own, allow me to remind you and introduce you to you, Jesus Christ. He is the one you need. You can't do it on your own. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not 
strong enough. You are in need, but there is one that can meet every need and has met your greatest need, which is salvation from your sin, and that is Jesus Christ the righteous. And I hope you know him this morning. For those of us who claim to know him and be known by him, have we drifted away from community? Are we attempting, even though we're here this morning, to relationally and practically go it alone? We don't need those people. We're okay. You're not. You need the people in this room and others connected with Grace Baptist and others in the broader Christian community. We need each other. Community protects you and it protects the worship of the one true God. And it needs to be a priority, especially now. I was both shocked and saddened by how quickly the body of Christ in our nation divided over the last couple of years. At a time when more than ever we need each other, we started fighting amongst ourselves in a way I haven't seen in a while, and I've seen a lot. Beloved, if you are here this morning and you have something against another fellow believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus says to make that right. Paul will warn us in 1 Corinthians 11, even as we partake, to not do it flippantly. Jesus says in Matthew 5, if you remember that you have something against another brother, another brother has something against you, go and make that right. Then come back and worship. We have become divided and we need to be united around Jesus Christ. To keep the main thing the main thing. To make sure the minor things that we squabble about do not rise to the level of the main things. We need each other desperately. Christianity has always been under attack, but it is certainly under attack in our day and age. It is not getting easier to follow God through Christ by the Spirit. And the last thing we need is others who claim to be doing that fighting us and us fighting them. We need community. We are not to be lone rangers in the faith. As the nation of Israel was called to community, so we are called to community through Jesus Christ. I thank God for the community here at Grace Baptist. We have many opportunities to go deeper in that community through our community groups and other uh, realities. Access them. I love our community group. We're being vulnerable with each other. We're sharing with each other. We're lifting each other up. If you're not part of a community group, you need to be. If you don't know how to do that, talk to myself or Pastor Luke. We will, we will connect you. Lone Christians are easy targets for the evil one. Lone Christians are in danger. Lone Christians should not exist. They didn't exist in the New Testament. They weren't Christians yet in the proper sense, but followers of God did not exist in that way in the Old Testament, and they should not exist here in 2022. So let us celebrate and promote community as God has called us to. Let's look to him in prayer this morning as we lead into our time of communion together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. It is so clear and precise. Father, there has been a lot of animosity 
division in your body. There's been a lot of individuals leaving. There have been Christians fighting other Christians. Too proud. Too arrogant. To humble themselves and to be a part, a full part of community. It has become too easy to stay disconnected. It's comfortable, but it's not right. It's not best, and it is not what makes us thrive. Oh, God, help us to not come together with our bibs on, waiting to be served. But help us to show up every Sunday and every day in between with aprons on, ready to serve. We need each other. And other people need us. And when we pull back, we do so to our detriment and theirs. Father, help us. Help us to grow in community with one another, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.